You're listening to Mansplaining Manhood. Where two nobodies are talking about somebody. I'm Jay. And I'm Justin. Welcome back, Big Doke. Welcome back, man. It's Saturday. It is a hot August morning. But you know what? With modern technology, you got a little AC going here. It's great. A little portable AC unit that's just struggling like the little engine that could. This morning, we didn't have our typical eggs. We had, what would you call that, Jay? It's trailer park donuts. See, if you can't afford donuts, like I grew up in a trailer. Same here, Jay. And when you're broke as a joke and you want donuts and you don't have access to funding for those said donuts, so what you do is this. Get some Wonder Bread. You toast it. Just, you want a, you want a gold tinge to your yep. toast. Not overly toast, not under toast, just good old fashioned Goldilocks. Right. And it's got to be hot. And then you spread some butter on the top, just like you would just buttery toast. Then you come back with a mixture of cinnamon and sugar. And you shake that on there. And then you get this cinnamony sweet donut flavor. And they're warm. They're fresh. If you haven't had it, you don't know what you're missing. Try some trailer park donuts. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. It hits the spot. It does. And then we've got, of course, coffee and chai tea this morning and a little stogie. Welcome back to M Squared, everyone. Men, we are going to look at, again, session three of this series of Man and His Work. We talked uh, last couple of weeks about man's got to work. That's right. It's got to show up, work hard. You got to pull up your big boy pants. And grab your lunchbox and head out the door. You got to do something. That's right. And this week, we're going to talk about courage. Man and his work and courage. The first two sessions, the first one was tension. And last week, we talked about our blueprint. We answered three big questions. What is work? What are we to be doing in our work? And who are we to be in our work? Really good questions. And this week, we're looking forward to the topic of courage. And we don't want to assume everybody knows what the definition of courage is because words definitely mean things. So here's the meaning of courage, the ability to do something that frightens one or strengthens in the face of pain or grief. John Wayne said, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Sounds like a man. Here's another good quote. Courage, a perfect sensibility of the measure of danger and a mental willingness to endure it. And if you remember our four pillars of manhood, accept responsibility, reject passivity, lead courageously. courageously. Yes. Courage. Do you hear the word courage and courageously? We're supposed to, as men, lead courageously. And that's why today's episode is so important. And this all ties into investing internally. So Jay, let's get into it, brother. Let's do it. Number one, create and cultivate. Using our God-given time, talents, and resources to bring things into existence and develop order and manage them for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. We've talked about create and cultivate in, in past episodes, but this is important in your work. This is what you're doing when you go to work, Ben. You're creating and cultivating. Guys like us need a little reminder of what we're to be doing every day. Create and cultivate is an easy thing to remember. So this sometimes pops in my head like, Man, I'm supposed to be creating things and cultivating those things I create. Absolutely. And I like the definition, using our God-given time, talent, and resources to bring things into existence and develop order and manage them for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. 
First, God-given talents. That's what this is. God give us time to create and cultivate, to go to work, to provide for our families. God has given us the talents. God has made us with our personalities, with our skill sets, whether we're good at math, language, communicating, using our hands. God has given us talents, so we need to use them to the best of our ability, create and cultivate. And when you don't do that, when you don't use those God-given talents, time, ability, and all that, you are wasting your life. John Piper yeah. wrote a book about that. He did. He wrote a book called uh, Don't Waste Your Life. It is a good book if you haven't read it. You don't want to waste your life. You don't want to get to the end of your life and realize, I have wasted 70 years doing essentially nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing to point at. Not using their life. Not involved in anything. I don't see how that's honoring God with your life when you're just home and not doing anything. A little bit of tinkering, but not really giving, not reaching out. I have a hard time with that. Why would you want to stay home and do nothing? You're wasting your God-given time. You're wasting your God-given talent. You're wasting your God-given resources. And I think it goes on in America more than we realize. Yeah. I'm not talking about the mom who's staying home with the kids right. working and stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying those who stay home just doing nothing. You're wasting your skill. You're wasting your life. You're wasting God-given opportunities to reach out, to impact, influence people, things. There's really no creating, cultivating when you live in a little shell of your house. So we talked about courage, creating, cultivating, and our courage in our work. Bring things into existence and develop order, manage them. We have no excuse to say, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. If you've been listening to our podcast. You should uh, know, create and cultivate. Yeah, we tell you every week we go over it and we're going over ourselves. I'm thinking of all my current situations at work, my right. house, my children, and this is on my mind, create and cultivate. I'm like talking to ourselves every week, Jay. Bring things into existence and develop order, manage them. And the whole purpose is to benefit other people and to bring glory to God. To God. You're not just doing it in a vacuum. There's a purpose for it. So we're going to talk a little bit about this man named Nehemiah. Here, we're Christians. And we like to bring in the Bible. We look at the Bible for our resources. So, Jay, a good resource about creating and cultivating is Nehemiah's toy. So Nehemiah, you find in the Old Testament, he's grouped in a section of the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. And Nehemiah was with Israel in captivity. God's punishing them. They're in Babylon. They're there for a couple of decades, stuck there, praying to come back to Israel, hoping to be able to go back home. And finally, when they do, Nehemiah is one of the prophets in the Bible that you see carrying out, fulfilling that, that prophecy. He carries courage. It says, Persia had conquered Israel, and many Israelites lived as exiles there. Nehemiah, like many other Israelites, longed to return home to Israel one day to help restore and rebuild their nation. Nehemiah had a distinguished position on the king's staff. Nehemiah had a personal dream to use his talents to rebuild Israel. He had a lot of responsibility. Yep. He was in Persia. He had a distinguished, God-given role outside of Israel. He longed to go back home and to rebuild Israel the way he remembered as a child. Yeah, he was rubbing elbows with the king of Persia. He didn't have a low-end position. This guy was high up. But you know what God called him back to do? How did he rebuild Israel? He was building a wall, my friend. He was tasked with the efforts to rebuild a wall around the whole city of Jerusalem. That's a big task. 
manual labor. We're talking a wall around all of Israel. Right. We're not talking about a fence yep. in the backyard. Miles beyond miles. We're talking about the type of wall that's, that makes a city a fortress. Nehemiah chapter 2, 1 through 5. It says, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid, and I said to the king, Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. God sovereignly elected this one man, Nehemiah, to undertake this humongous task of building a wall around an entire city. And so he had to have some work skills and ethics to get this job done. He was standing in front of the king when he was sad. The king said, what's wrong, Nehemiah? What did he have, Jay? He had courage. He had the courage to actually say, this is what's burning me. He prayed to God, and then he told the king, if I found favor, not this one requesting, he said, if I found favor in your sight, listen, send me home. Let me rebuild. Now, because God elected and preordained Nehemiah to serve on the king's staff in a distinguished role, he was able to do this. And Nehemiah must have had a pretty good character. Otherwise, the king wouldn't have found favor in him. He worked hard, obviously he had great character. And he was courageous, man. When it came time, he actually stepped up and said what he needed from the king. And the king, in those days, kings... They didn't like what you said, dude. They just lop off your head. Nehemiah must have been leading courageously, but also he was rejecting passivity. He was definitely accepting responsibility. And the fact that he prayed through it all, he was investing eternally. Oh, 100%. Nehemiah had all four pillars. He was carrying out the four pillars of manhood. And that's why we want to use this guy as an example of our work ethic. That's right. Nehemiah was a creator. Nehemiah hoped to use his management skills to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and reinstate stability so the economy and civil life could begin to flourish again in Israel, Tim Keller said. Tim Keller, great pastor, author. Notice that Nehemiah had a work vision that blessed others. Definitely. Right. So does your work ethic bless others? Is it just all about you and yourself? Right? Because you can be selfish that way at work, man. If you're just looking out for yourself and setting up things for yourself to be successful and not your people around you, I think that's selfish and that's wrong. You want to work hard. You want to help others work hard. You want to have character just like Nehemiah. Does your work vision bring life to you, your family, your community, and the world? How did Nehemiah Crane cultivate? Courageously pursued his idea despite being afraid. Like you just said, man, you're afraid of the king. You know what? I'm going to ask anyway. What's the worst that could happen? And on top of that, Nehemiah turned to God in prayer. In the middle of his pitch to the king, he turned to God for help. His prayer gears were already turning. And then ask that question because God had been helping him. This has been something on his heart for a while. Nehemiah also had a well thought out work strategy. Obviously this was on his heart for a long time. He actually thought out how we're going to build a wall, how it's going to get done, time effort, what he would need. Definitely wasn't something he just shot off the hip. He went there intentionally and here's how it went down. Nehemiah chapter two, six through eight. And the king said to me, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me 
to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forests, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortresses of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked. He just kept pouring on more stuff. But he had a well-thought-out plan. It began with the end in mind. Reverse engineering, Jay. We've right. talked about that a, a whole bunch of episodes ago, about reverse engineering your life. What do you want to achieve at the end and work away? Really, it's a lot in your work ethic. You reverse engineer. What's the goal? Where do you want to be? How do we get there? And then you reverse engineer it, and that's how you get there. Four takeaways from Nehemiah's creating. He had a, a work vision that blessed others, courageous in the face of danger, dependent on God and prayer, and a well-thought-out strategy. I, I noticed, too, a king asked him when he'll be back. The king didn't want to lose him either. The king said, you are valuable to me. When are you going to be back, man? I don't mind you going. I, I want to bless you that way and help out your desires and goals in life and for your people. But when are you going to be back? We can take from Nehemiah's story how he was creating a work vision that blessed others. So it wasn't just about Nehemiah. So have a work vision that helps others around you. Courage in the face of fear. So don't be afraid of your boss or the next step or hard work. Be encouraged. Depend on God in prayer. That's always pretty big. And a well-thought-out strategy. Actually think through the plan. Count the cost before you build. All that to say, Nehemiah had courage. If he didn't have courage to say something to the gang, do you think Nehemiah would have got this done? No, no. And that's what it all hinged on right there. He had resistance the whole time. When he finally got there, there was resistance because the people that lived there already didn't want him to build this wall. Not only courage to ask the king to go, but when he got there, the courage to continue the work he created and he cultivated. Nehemiah was a cultivator in his work. He was creating the path. Now, how did he cultivate? Nehemiah 4, 21 through 23 states this. So we labored at work and half of the men held spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at the time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who follow me, none of us took off our work clothes, and each kept his weapon at his right hand. Wow. That's commitment. How much would you get done if you had to have a weapon in your hand all day while you work? You're almost 24-7. You're guarding for nighttime, and you're building during the day. They're trying to rebuild Jerusalem again. You've been living there for 70 years, and you're used to this way of life, and here comes these people back to build that city. And you're like, man, last time they were here, they were just strong and overbearing. I don't want them here. Right. Stop, man. Courage to, to build a wall while your lives are in danger from the enemy that you can see around you. You don't have a wall here. You're not protected. You're slowly building it. It says, none of us took our work clothes and kept his weapon in his right hand. They kept a weapon in the right hand. Most people are right-handed. So yeah. you're working with your weak hand while you've got your weapon in your strong hand. That's hard work. That's how dangerous it was. So what do we take away from that? All of us need to expect resistance to come and to be ready to make strategic adjustments. I think that's a no-brainer, man. Everybody yeah. expects resistance all day long. Even if you don't know what you're doing tomorrow at work, something's going to come up and you're going to have some resistance somehow. Not everyone's going to agree on how to accomplish any goal. How do you come together and actually 
complete something. That's a skill too, man. Getting everybody on the same page, getting everybody to see this is the best way to go, how we're all going to benefit and how we're all going to do this efficiently. It's good to have a vision in your company. Also the importance of being willing to work hard. You know what? There's something good about breaking some sweat, working hard. Now there's also a difference between working hard and working smart. You can work smart and still work hard, but don't do something twice as hard when it doesn't have to be. So work smart, but be willing to actually work hard. Those guys didn't build a wall in 40 hour weeks, did they? <laughs> no, it's a pretty good method how they did it though. They had it so everybody that lived was responsible to build the portion of the wall that was in front of their house. And so you'd walk out the front of your house and you'd work on that portion of the wall. Everybody did. And that way, that's how that wall went up. Everybody is responsible for a portion and that's how it worked. That's what Nehemiah came up with. Pretty smart. Load isn't burden on a handful of people. You just help your neighbor out. They're helping you out and you're getting that one portion. You know it, the wall's beyond you and yeah. then you can just be a guard at night if you wanted to. Yeah, that's a great way to build a wall and something big like that in small bites. I only have to do this part and so I'm going to do a really good job and try to get up as quick as I can. You weren't thinking about the whole wall. You were just doing your part as a team. That's how great things get done. Yeah. And then he took time to rest and celebrate his accomplishments. Yeah. Resting and celebration. And that wall got done. We're all actually called to rest. There's a reason we work for six days and rest on the seventh. And here's how he rested. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, so it's built now, they sought the priests and other places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving and singing. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall, and they gave thanks. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And you know what popped out to me in that verse was thankfulness. How ungrateful are men. You accomplish something, and then you're just on to the next. You're just on to the next thing, and you're not even grateful for what that big thing, that big challenge that was just accomplished. It happens all the time. I do it all the time, man. I'm like, man, I hope this really works out. And then it does, and I just go whizzing by onto the next thing when I'm not even like grateful or thankful Versus stopping for and enjoying what God has yeah. just blessed. I'm like, man, he worked that out. That worked exactly what I was hoping for. That's all I needed. Yeah. And here's the thing. It, three takeaways from Nehemiah's cultivating. Fall to overcome resistance. Willing to work hard. Took time to rest and celebrate. So we can move on to a different character in the Bible. When I say character, I don't mean fictional. This is a historical person that actually lived. The Bible is real people living in real places, in real history. So Paul was an apostle. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. He was a worker too. He had great work ethic. We, could, we can relate to Paul a little more because it's closer to our time. Yes. Which I think we've even rattled off some of Paul's abuse that he endured. There's past episodes. It's a humongous list of Paul just getting beatings and shipwrecked oh. and all this stuff. He had courage, man. Once Paul started following Jesus, he was all about modeling Jesus giving life-giving spirit in his work. You wouldn't want to be Paul the way Paul suffered. He was always traveling. And then when he got to places, he had to make money to supply food and water and housing for yeah, he himself. Had, he had a great burden, man. He just up and go, and when the sun goes down, that's where you sleep. In Acts 18.3, we learned that Paul was a tent maker. A man who worked with his hands. Did everybody know that? Paul was a tent maker. He did whatever he had to do. So he built tents. He did whatever it took, even in the face of danger. And how much danger did this guy walk into? A lot. 
we're, we're called to be imitators of Christ. Christ was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. He was a creator and a cultivator. Was he courageous? 100%. He was always persecuted, even to the point where he puts himself in danger for us. And, the, and that's the gospel, man, that Jesus absorbed all of God's wrath. His father poured out all of his wrath and punishment on him rather than you. Mm. What kind of courage does that take to stand in the way of God's anger? Amen. Praise God he did. Yeah, that's the gospel. So three ways to be a life-giving presence in our work, as Paul has given us examples. So one, provide for ourselves. Let's read scripture because we, we love it. It gives us plenty to say about providing for ourselves. Here it is from 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. It says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such person we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So there it is. Scripture is clear. Work and eat. If you do not work, you do not eat. You need to provide for yourself. And it says, don't be busybodies doing essentially nothing. There's difference in like busy work and busybody work and actually working hard and providing for your family. I'm just looking through this and three things <laughs> jumped out to me. One, it says work. Number two, it says, don't be lazy. And number three, it says, do your work quietly. Shut your mouth and work. That's pretty much what this person <laughs> is saying. It says, do the work quietly. Second Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12 says, shut up and work. The second way, provide for our family. Oh, so not only do you provide for yourself, but you provide for your family. Now you've taken on the responsibility of others. Oh. Men, that's what men do. That's right. You want to be an authentic, biblical man. Accept responsibility. Lead courageously. Reject passivity. And doing all that, invest eternally. Right. First Timothy 5 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's a challenge, isn't it? Provide for yourself and now provide for others. All right, Jay. Third, right? Give to those who are in need. Holy smokes, give? Jay. Give you, to those you, in need? What's this give stuff? First, so now they're saying I have to provide for myself, my family. Now you tell me I have to give some of that proceeds away? I have to help those in need? That is a lot of responsibility there. Here, but Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may give something to share with anyone in need work with his own hands give to those who are in need our thinking is usually along the lines of i have enough for me but not everybody else but help those authentic men are giving men again jay this goes back to the four pillars accepting responsibility leading courageously rejecting passivity and investing internally always that's authentic manhood so this week on man and his work is courage men take courage Learn from Nehemiah, learn from Paul, take what we just said and like John Wayne said, get on the saddle, man. Absolutely. So next week, Jay, what are we talking about? Next week, we are going to embrace the essentials to live out the biblical blueprint. Looking forward to next week. I'd so look forward to seeing you next week. I love you, brother. Love you, bro.